We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we get into God's Word this morning. Father, we are delighted and grateful and, and blessed to be here this morning, to come and to worship and to learn about your word and learn how we can become more into the image of Christ. And Lord, that we pray that you teach us how to honor you more and more every day. And Lord, how we can serve one another in this congregation and that we can be a light that shines within this community we live in. Father, this morning I just pray as we open your word that you would guide and direct the hearts of your people and draw them to yourselves. And Father, I just pray that this morning, there, if there may be one here that has never put their full trust and faith in Jesus Christ, I pray this morning, Lord, that uh, they would, that they would believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We do thank you for allowing us to worship this morning freely. And we just come to offer you praises and in glory and honor. And I pray this morning that this word that you've laid on my heart would be honoring to you and glorifying to your name and, and be a transformational word that would impact the hearts of all of us here this morning. I pray you fill me and empower with me the Holy Spirit that I might speak your truth in love and with boldness. And I ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Well, we're coming quickly to the end of the book of 1 Peter. It's been a long journey. So we've been in this study now for 22 weeks. And uh, I've learned a lot. I've been encouraged. I've been discouraged. I've been up. I've been down. I think I've been left and I've been right. Um, and I know that some of you have well has, has been that way also. Last week we looked at a challenging message for the elders. Um, we talked about their responsibility, their roles in the church. And we even talked a little bit about the flock of God. But this week our focus is not on the elders, it's on everyone else that's not an elder. Which is the flock of God, or us as the sheep. If you remember in our outline on the book of First Peter, we've been working through that diligently. Um, last week we looked at the Christian's discipline. Well, that's what we're looking at in all of these messages, the, the discipline of the Christian. Last week we looked at Peter's exhortation to the, for biblical leadership. As we looked and we saw whom Peter exhorted, which was the elders, we saw what Peter exhorted was to lead the flock of God, and then why Peter exhorted, so that we might receive our unfading crown of glory. That was the message last week to the elders. This week we look at Peter's exhortation to the flock of God. Now this I decided to break down into two different messages because there's a lot to look at just within these few verses and then next week we'll look at uh, how to resist the devil. But this week we're going to look at the, f that the faithful flock of God should always follow. And the three things that we're going to look at um, are that we should make sure that we're a following flock. We should, we should make sure that we're a humble flock. 
And lastly, we need to make sure that we are a casting flock. So if you will this morning, turn your Bibles to the first epistle of Peter, chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 5 to 7. 5 to 7. And while you're turning, I thought it was appropriate to tell a little story about Abraham Lincoln. One time he told a story about a young farmer. And this young farmer had never plowed before and, and he went out in this field and it was this vast field. And, and so this farmer decided he was going to teach this young man how to plow in a straight line. Now after the farmer got his horse all decked out and hitched up and ready to go, he told the young boy, listen, just take your time and plow. Keep your eyes focused at something, an object on the other side of the field, and you plow straight toward that object. Now the farmer, thinking that he would be a help to the young man, he, he picked out an object for the young man to look at. He said, you see that cow laying down over there at the other end of the field? You pick that cow and you work, and you plow right towards that cow. And so the farmer felt like he had given great instructions and without delay the young boy put that plow to the ground and he started plowing straight towards that young cow. When the farmer returned to see just how well of a job he had done, to his amazement, things looked different in which he envisioned. Instead of it being a straight line, it looked more like a question mark. It was all over the place. Well, you see, the young boy took the instruction from the farmer and did exactly what he said. The problem was, as the cow was no longer laying, he was up walking around. This young man did a great job of following instructions. It didn't turn out like the farmer expected, but the young man kept his eyes on the object and and plowed right toward that cow no matter where it went. Now, I don't know about you, but a silly, simple story as such, I personally could learn a lot from that message. That's what we need to look like in the church of Jesus Christ. We need to be a flock that is following. With everyone there, in your Bibles, let us look and see what God has to say this morning about His flock and following always. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 5 to 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 5 to 7. It reads this, You, younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Three things that I want you to get from this text this morning. We need to make sure we're a following flock. We need to make sure that we're a humble flock. And lastly, we need to make sure that we are a casting flock. Now, in the introduction of this whole message, I said this statement, that the faithful flock of God should always follow. Now, I understand if you're like me, there are many folks sitting in the audience going, is that really a true statement? Should we always follow as the flock of God? Should we always be following the leaders and the elders of the church? 
Now, I understand that there's times in which that is not a true statement. But I want to ask you this morning, how many people here think that there is a time in which we shouldn't follow the leadership of this church? Just raise your hand. Is there a time? It's not a trick question. I went to see James McDonald and he threw out a trick question and nobody was afraid. Everybody's afraid to raise their hands. He, he, he wanted to know, is God everywhere at once? He, he's omnipresent. Well, yes. It's okay to raise your hand. Yes. There are times in which you are called not to follow the flock of God. You remember back when we studied in submission into the government and submission into the, into the bad bosses and submission to wives and to husbands. There is a time and a place in which all that submission goes away and you say, no, I'm going to stand on God's Word. Well, the reality is that wasn't why I made that statement that we need to be a following flock. I want each of us here to understand that there is a time and a place to follow. That you as sheep in this flock should not always follow. And so why in the world did I say that? Because I want each of us to leave here today knowing and understanding that we should always follow the Word of God. We need to be a following flock. Not so much in what I say, but so much is in what God says. Not so much in what Bill and Rob and Shane and Gary and Tim and all the elders say, but what God's Word says, and we should always follow. When I leave for vacation, listen, if Rob gets up here and he begins to preach a message, and he begins these, breathe deep and begin to meditate, it's okay not to follow. If Bill Campbell gets up here and says, now listen, next week I want you to wear black pants, black shirt, black shoes, black hat, and we're going to call on some aliens. Don't have to follow. Okay? The point I'm trying to make is if the Word of God says it, and the, and the leaders of the church are teaching that, then we need to make sure that we are all following what God has to say. If God's Word says it, that we are to do something, then the reality is, is that's what we are called to do. Now, please understand, we do live in a time and in a culture in which this idea, this suggestion is contrary to what our daily lives see outside of these doors. We don't want to follow. We don't want to take instructions. That's what we're told. Oh, you don't have to listen to that man. He's, he's, he's not a, he doesn't have authority. But listen, God's Word teaches that when we are Christians, when we are followers of Christ, proclaimers of the good news, proclaimers of the bad news, that we are always to follow the words of God even when it's not popular in our day. So that brings us to our first point. We need to make sure that we are a following flock. He says here in the first part of verse 5, he says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Now we need to clarify some things here because in the original, and several translations express this, when it's speaking of younger men, it's not simply referring to young men. It's referring to everyone in general that's not an elder. So, women, children, older folks, we are not off the hook when it comes 
to this instruction of following. The ESV translates this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. He is saying that everyone who is not an elder is to be subject. The first thing that we need to ask ourselves is, why do we need to be subjected to the elders of this church? Well, because we as a flock should always follow. We should be a following flock. We should always follow what God says. Listen, it's in the imperative which we already understand after, the, after reading through the book of 1 Peter, boy, the imperatives are imperative. There's plenty of commands in here that we are to follow, and we've looked at that. And we need to obey them. We need to submit to them. We need to voluntarily place ourselves under the authority and teaching of the leaders in this church. God has placed them in place of authority. And let me tell you, we got a good group of leaders in this church. We have men who are dedicated, who are concerned about the affairs of this church. We have leaders who have a hard time sleeping at night because of the affairs of this church. They love you. And they want nothing poorly to happen to this church. And listen, it says here in Hebrews 13, 17... If my words aren't powerful enough here, the book of Hebrew tells us, obey your leaders and submit to them. You know, the King James Version, as it translates this first part, you younger men likewise, it doesn't say be subject, it says submit. Because it's the same concept, the same idea of submission. And I actually like the word submit because it fits well in the book of 1 Peter. And we looked at the submission of the government, the workplace, and in the home. And here also within the leadership of the church. He says, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. They will give an account for you for themselves and how they lead. But listen to what he says. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable to to who? For you. For you. It would be unprofitable not to allow the leaders to lead with joy and without grief. We are called to trust our leaders. Listen, there may be the reality is one day God calls me from this ministry of preaching and I may have to sit in the pew again. And and then I will have to remember the very words in which I preached about submitting to the leadership God has placed under me. I've been there, I've sat there, I've had to submit to things that I didn't necessarily agree with 100%, but God called me to submit to their leadership and trust in what they are doing and how they are operating for the betterment of the church so that they can do it with joy and not grief. Not doing this very thing, listen, allows the enemy to get his foot in the door and being his divisive destruction within the household of God. This is why he tells us here in Matthew chapter 18 just what we are to do when a brother or sister sins against us. Listen, we are told if brothers sin, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. 
But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you. And so by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now listen, that's church discipline. That is a tough thing. We never want to get to point B or point C. We want it to end in point A and to win our brothers back. But listen, these, this Scripture right here that you see up there that's in this Word are profitable for you and for the leadership of this church. And when you have a problem, brothers and sisters, with one another, please, don't take it to the elders. Don't take it to the deacons. Take it to the individual. Because it's in the instructions of God and it's good and it's pleasing and things happen well when it works that way. My, listen, my heart is so burdened this morning about this. We are not to hinder the work of this ministry. We are called to help, serve, and to follow in the work the ministry. Understanding that these elders love each one of you. And none of the elders want to lord over you. But they do not want to do it in an unworthy manner. They want you to follow. Because when you follow, it makes things work the way God intended it. It's like an unsqueaky wheel, but when you don't grease the wheel, it begins to squeak and problems begin to come about. He says, subject yourselves to the elders. I ask you this morning, are you truly subject to the eldership of this church this morning? Listen, only you can decide that for yourselves. I can't make that decision for you. Only you can. But I'm telling you, God's Word says we need to. It's good. It's pleasing. It's profitable. These words are not to burden us. They're not to cause division within the church. They're to help us and strengthen us so that we can operate like God wants us to operate. He says, be subject. The elders are here to help you in your journey as a Christian. They want you to have an accomplished life that brings honor to God and makes an impact in the community in which we live in and across the nations. We need to be a flock that follows the Word of God. I like this verse because as the, as the body of Christ, God has set standards for us to follow so that things operate in a well-functioned manner. And he says here in 1 Timothy 5.19, he says this, he says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis two or three witnesses. Listen, God is trying to protect the leadership. Evidently, in this time, there were problems where people were bringing accusations. I would say they were bringing complaints against the elders. Listen, we are called to follow. That's what God says. I'm not saying we can't talk about things or or have disagreements with one another about the semantics or the, the, the functionality of how the church operates. But when we have a complaint against a brother, we're to take it to him. And if you have a complaint against a, an elder in this church, he, he says don't even receive an accusation unless 
It's based on two or three witnesses. He says here, what I do see in Scripture that it says in Philippians 2.14, it says this, do everything without complaining or grumbling. Now, when I look and evaluate my life, I go, am I, what am I doing? How am I doing it? And am I grumbling and complaining? I probably tell this to my kids more than I've told it to anybody in my life. I go, clean your room. Mm. Mm. Clean up the kitchen. Mm. 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 And I say, hey, do all things without grumbling and complaining, kids. Here's the positive side. Here's the positive side. And Peter's already addressed it in chapter 4, verse 9. He says, listen, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's what we're called to do. And listen, I know there are some folks, we can't help it, we just have grumbling spirits. I'm probably one of them. I like to grumble and complain. But as I read God's Word, He says there's not room for that. Remove it. Do all things without it. We have people, listen, in need of Jesus Christ and salvation. They're dying and they're going to hell. And we will argue over the silliest matters. We need to get in the game and begin winning souls for Jesus Christ. Step out on faith. Share your faith. Stop worrying about the silly things that are happening and focus on what we need to worry about because listen, the devil we're going to learn next week is seeking to devour. He's prowling around. He's looking for ways to get his foot in the door and it begins with following the leadership. And if we're not following leadership, we're helping the devil stick his foot in the door and begin to work right in the church's front door. My heart pains for the church in America. The church is so self-focused. We live our lives in a horizontal instead of a vertical relationship. We so much worried about our own lives and how it affects others and what we're doing and what others are doing instead of worrying what God is doing and it affects our lives and our church and everything else. We are so self-righteous as a church that sometimes we're absolutely ineffective for the kingdom work. And the question is, we can't leave here feeling that way today. We can't leave here feeling like, oh, we're just ineffective, we're just sinners, we're just under, not under grace, but under the law. We're not under the law, we're under grace. And listen, all I'm saying is this, when we begin to function out God has called, we step out of this church, people see this church set on a hill, shining, loving one another, caring for one another. They, I want to be a part of that. They don't want to come into a church with a bunch of bickering and fighting. They're leaving the church. Every day people are leaving the church. They're saying, I love Jesus. Jesus Christ, I love my relationship with the Lord, but I'm done with church. And the proof stands in the fact that the church in America is only growing at 15%. And listen, only 2% of that growth is conversion. Do we see the problem? 
We got people picking up from this church, going to this church. We got people picking up from this church, going to this church, and they leave that one and go here. And the growth that we have within the Christianity of America is within his own church. (laughs) Do you know why? Because we are not submitting to the leadership. We come and we complain about the way things are working. And we say, well, I don't like it that way. I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my I have a better idea. Instead of going, God says that I need to submit to the leadership of this church. God, forgive me for not doing more. Forgive me for not telling and proclaiming Jesus Christ to every soul that I come in contact with. Forgive me for withholding the pearl, the message, the hope of Jesus Christ to a people that is dying and going to hell. Three thousand five hundred people leave church every day, not to return, and only twenty percent of people. In the United States attend church on Sunday mornings. Just a few years ago it was 50%. Why is it? Why do you think that it is? I think it's because we're not submitting. I listened to James McDonald for an hour the other day. His passion about the church going vertical. I listened to him tell these statistics and these numbers and talk about the presence of God not being in within buildings anymore, of people who gather to worship. And that's what brought about the question, is God omnipresent? Yes, He is everywhere at once. But listen, God is in some places more than others. And His Spirit is moving. And listen, I want to make sure that we are a church that the Holy Spirit is in the lives of the people so much that it overflows. And it comes out in the community, in the workplace, and in your ministries, wherever you're at. I want people to see the glory of God to shine forth in your life. And the only way we can do that is begin to follow what God's Word says. And it starts with following, at least in this passage. He says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 this, He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that cannot save. Listen, God is not 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 saving people because He's not able. I think a lot of people aren't being saved because we enable them. We're a stumbling block to them. Nor is His ear so dull that, that they cannot hear. But listen to what he says. He says, but your iniquities, your sin has set, has made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Listen, we we understand that God loves. He loves every single soul in this church and outside of this so much that He would send His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die. But He has called us as believers and followers, not unbelievers. We can't hold them accountable. But we can hold each one another accountable to live lives that bring glory and honor to God so that God Himself will not hide His face from us and our prayers. And we will begin to see people saved. 
God has given everything that we need to function properly. And my heart cries this morning, let us try His way. Let us just try His way. Let us just try to follow the words that are written in this book and not look at them and make silly excuses of why we shouldn't have to follow. Listen, God's Word is authoritative. It's, it's inerrant. And these words set us free. And if you're here this morning and you feel like this Word has brought bondage under you, you're missing the point. He wants you to be submissive unto the leadership so that you can be free. You can be free and you can help this church flourish. And many people across the nation can help their church flourish when they learn to submit to the leadership, the church. I want to see every church and the people growing in the grace and knowledge of God and becoming disciples. That's why we've started this mentor thing. Listen, we're called to make disciples. How many of us as Christians are discipling individuals? Making sure that we are building disciples in which He tells us to. Go therefore and make disciples, not only here in City Lake, not only in America, not only in the United States, but across the world. Make disciples of all nations. And then baptize them in the name of the Father. We did that Sunday. And then He says, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. Teaching them to obey. And this morning, I want you to understand, God says, Submit to His leadership. And when we do, I promise you, we will see a movement happen. We can't change the churches in the community. We can't even change the hearts of the people. But what we can do is be obedient and teach to observe all that the Word of God has commanded. And this morning He says, teach. If we're going to be a place that God uses for amazing ways. We need to be a church that bleeds God's words and instructions. Each and every sheep in this flock, including the pastors and myself, must get on our knees and repent for the way we've done things. And if you're being a submissive person, God bless you for being the example. But sometimes we need encouragement and you may be the encouragement. You keep being a submissive flock as you submit to the leadership. We need to be a flock that follows. But listen, secondly, we need to be, we need to make sure we are a humble flock. Now, I don't want to try to explain in great detail all about what, what the Bible says humble is. But what does that look like in our daily lives? It's about like saying we need to love one another. What does that look like? My definition of what love looks like to you may be different than what your love looks like to me. How do we understand what humble means in our daily lives? What does it look like? Well, I can tell you this. I, can, I might not be able to give you a perfect definition of what humble is in our daily lives, but I can tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like arrogance, 
To be humble is not to be assertive. It's not boasting. It's not conceited. It's not egotistical. It's not disrespectful or exaggerated or proud or or showy. It's not prideful. It's not prideful. Let me tell you, God has a unique way of putting His Word together. And I think what He's saying here is this. If you are here this morning, and and you're not being submissive to the leadership, there's pride in your life. And He says this morning, we need to be humble. He says this in 5b, He says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble Now here He is back to including everyone. He has now stepped away from, listen, this is, what, this is what I say to the flock. And now He says, elders, you're back in the group and now we're going to hug everybody and we're going to say, this is what God has to say to everyone. As I read these things, I have to put myself on the spot. And I have to ask myself... Do I hold any of these things? Do I hold any of these... Things that are opposite of being humble in my life. Is there pride in my life? Am am I egotistical? Am I exaggerated? Am Am I proud? What is it in my life that I have to evaluate? Because I tell you, there was a time in my life where I was boastful and I was proud. But I will not stand up here this morning and tell you that I'm a perfect man. Just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean I'm perfect. When I played baseball, I was a prideful man. I was the best of the best, and I would tell you I was the best of the best. And I was boastful, I was showy, I was arrogant. But when God came into my life, He humbled me. He humbled me where I said, God, I can't preach the Word of God. Who am I? I felt like Moses. I can't can't even speak right. I can't even pronounce brethren right. Who am I to preach God's Word? Well, let me tell you this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel like, you know what, I may have some shouts of arrogance in my life. Listen, you're not going to go to hell. But let me tell you what it can do. It can hinder your effectiveness in the kingdom. In the kingdom. It can hinder your effectiveness in the church. It can cause disruptions in the church. And so we just need to evaluate ourselves and go, Father God... If, if, if any of these things really describe me, forgive me. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work and change you. And make you into a man of God that can function within the church so that we can work together. I'm reading a book by Jim Putman right now called Church is a Team Sport. And with football season on the way, brother, he uses illustrations about being coaches and what it's like to be a coach. A coach can't do it. Wayne can't, cannot have a winning team by himself. That's why the old saying goes that there's no I in team. Now some people will say, well, there's me. But, but there's, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that it's a team sport. And we have different roles and functions and the leaders have a different role. The flock has a different role. And now we're called to function together with humility. We're called to function with humility. Listen, I call you this morning to do nothing that I don't call myself to do. And I'm trying. 
with all that is within me to set the example. And you may see flaws in me. There's a very good possibility. You know why? Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. And when you see a flaw in me, be gentle and say, Brother, I I see a, a strike of pride in you. Listen, we help each other. Now, we need to evaluate our own life before we go, brother, you got a, you got a problem. You know, you got a problem. you got a problem too. Don't we all got a little bit of problems? Yeah. And if you didn't have any problems in this church when I came, it really got messed up. But all I'm saying is we need to act with humble hearts. We need to be a humble flock. And Peter here calls each one of us in our own little worlds to clothe ourselves with humility. Now listen, I think Peter, if you will, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, because I think Peter here is, is calling himself back to a, to a time in which Jesus Christ taught him what humility was. You know, John chapter 13, we see these, this, this, this event, the Lord's Supper taking place. And here Jesus Christ, knowing His time is about to come to an end. And that the devil has already taken place. He sends Judas out, go do your thing. But then he says this, he, listen, look at verse 5 in John chapter 13. He says this, Then He poured water into a basin. Here Jesus got up from the supper. This intimate time with these people that Jesus Christ invested His life into. He gets up, He lays aside His garments, and He girds Himself up. And He gets a bowl, a basin, and He pours water. And it says, He began to wash the feet of the disciples and to wipe them with the towel with which He girded. And so He clothed Himself with a towel. And then He came to Simon Peter, the man that that had faith like no other man. He had faith that when they were in the Gethsemane and, and He cut the man's ear off, You ain't going to harm my Jesus. We have Peter, the faith of the man who steps out of the boat. Here we have this bold man, Peter. And he says this, Lord, do you wash my feet? In the original language it reads more, more profound. It reads, Lord, my feet, you wash. My my feet. Jesus answered to him. I can almost hear it real calm. What you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter says, "Never shall you wash my feet." It's a triple negative. Never, no, ever, never. Will you wash my feet? Here, Peter, a man of faith, steps out and tells the God of the universe, you will not wash my feet. 
The, the man who hung the stars in the heaven and Peter in his mouth says, you will never, ever wash my feet. And then Jesus answered him again and says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, I can't have that. So listen, if you wash me, not my feet alone, but wash me wholly down. From top to bottom, wash me, Lord. Jesus said, listen, he who has been bathed needs only to wash his feet, not his whole body, because he is completely clean. Listen, this morning, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are completely clean. Do you understand that? Do you get that? That when you are crucified with Christ, you are completely clean before God. No righteousness, no act of good behavior, none of that will bring you to a place that makes you more clean than when Jesus Christ saved you on the cross. So when I call you this morning to submit, you don't submit so that you can become more clean, but so that we can operate and function well. When I call you to be humble in spirit this morning and to not be prideful, boastful, arrogant, showy, it's not so that you're not clean, so that you can be like squeaky clean. You are clean from top to bottom when you're in Jesus Christ. And if you leave here this morning, you, and if you get anything from this message, you get this. When you're bathed and clothed in the Holy Spirit, you're clean. And Jesus is trying to explain that to Peter. All you need is your foot clean. Because in the culture, in the dusty... If you've been, I've been to Israel. It's dusty. It's a desert place. Rock, stone... A lot like some of the stuff I see out when I'm hunting. Except minus some things. But if I were to go hunting in flip-flops or sandals, my feet would be pretty nasty when I walked in your house and you wouldn't want my feet on your floor. And so let me tell you what Jesus did. When you come to a man's house in that time to have your feet washed, who washed your feet? A servant. And here, the God of the universe clothes Himself in a towel and takes on the form of a servant. And He says, brother, you're clean. The only thing you need to do is wash your feet. And you need to learn from what I'm doing as I clothe myself in humility before you. That's what He's saying we need to do. Jesus clothed Himself in the form of a servant. Now, only you can evaluate your life. I can't evaluate your life. But I'm asking you this morning, are you clothed as a servant? Do you put on the robe, the apron of a servant to one another within the household of God? Because that is what He's calling us to do. To have, to clothe ourselves in humility. Philippians 2, 3. Our, our memory verse for the month. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things consider others better than yourself. That's a whole lot easier said than done. You know what it takes? Prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit to change that in your lives and in my lives as your pastor. Last week we asked the question, what would this church look like if every one of you followed and imitated the faith of the elders and pastors in this church? And if we are not, as elders, clothing ourselves in humility, then we're not setting the example. And we need to be humble people in the body of Christ. Listen, we are to do that because God says He's opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Next slide. I don't know about you, but I like God's grace in my life. And when I fail, I can get up and I can move forward. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this Olympian who fell. She stayed down. That was her own business, but I like to use her as an illustration. This morning, if you're here and you're not clothed with humility, are you going to stay down? Are you going to be like the woman I watched the other day who fell, got back up, and won the race? We can either stay down or we can get up. And listen, if you've been clothed in Christ, He has given you everything you need to get up. Not again so you can become washed, you're clean. But so that you can be humble before God and before man. Because God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. You can come this morning and say, Oh, listen, I come to church. Sunday morning, I have my Bible. Check, check. That's all I need. I, I, I don't need to, to hang out. I don't need to get to know anybody. I, I'm just going to be set apart in my own little world. I got my Bible. Me and Jesus is tight. And, and I'm, I'm in the Word. And the Word is in me. Y'all can keep those small groups. Y'all can have those Sunday schools. I don't need none of that. I just need my Bible, Jesus, and Sunday morning. Listen, that's not humble. That's not humble. God calls us to community together. Because God understands without community, it's shallow. I don't really have to worry about you if, if our relationship is shallow. Listen. If you don't lose sleep, over relationships in this church. You have shallow relationships. When a brother or sister is upset with me, I lose sleep. I lose sleep because I don't want shallow relationships. I can get that at the Piggly Wiggly. How you doing? Good. Good. Have a great day. 
No, when I ask you how you're doing, I don't want to hear great. I want to hear your problems. I want to know what you're going through because I love you and I want to be able to pray for you. And if you're upset and you want to cry, I want to cry with you. Being humble takes work. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing close. Listen, we have Sunday school because we learned last week we need to give you a good diet of God's Word. As the leaders and shepherds of the flock, it is our job to feed you. But we also have Sunday school so that we can build community. So that we can talk about problems within this group. We have small groups so that we can get to know one another. Now, I know I can't be everywhere at one place. I wish I was omnipresent, but the fact is it ain't happening. But I hope this year that I can get to your small groups and take time to get to know you. Because the reality is, is listen, there are many people in here this morning that want to get to know me. But listen, I want to get to know you. I want to know your concerns. I want to know your problems. Now, I don't want to know about your problems with so-and-so. I want to know what you're dealing with. And how I can encourage you. But I can't do that if you're a hermit. I'm going to start coming to your houses. Be looking for it. One day a week, I'm taking the day out of the office and I'm driving to your house. Now, if you want me to call first, you better let me know because I'm coming. Now, it may take a while to get to everybody's house, but I'm coming. Because I want you to know and understand I care for you. Let us show those that are prideful what it looks like to be humble and set the example. Learn from one another. The last thing I want us to look at and understand is that we need to make sure we are a casting flock. We're a casting flock. Not only should we tie on an apron of servanthood towards each other, being humble in spirit, we should cast all of our cares upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Listen, if you ain't got no problems this morning, raise your hand because I want to come to your house. Okay? We need to hang out. I think everybody here has got something going on in their life. Their toes hurt. Their fingers hurt. They've hurt their elbow. Something. We all have struggles. So we need to be a casting flock. He says in verse 6 and 7, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you the proper time, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You want to know what it looks like to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God? This is what it looks like. Being a casting man or woman, not a grasping man or woman. 
when you look up to the God of heaven, you go, you know what, I can't take care of this problem. That's a casting. To hold it in your hand and say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to handle it in my own time. It's a grasping problem. This morning, we can't live the victorious Christian life with a grasping problem. We have to be a casting Christian. Casting all of our cares onto the Lord. Whatever struggle, financial, physical, health, whatever it is, marital issue, this morning I I proclaim in the name of Jesus Christ, cast your cares upon Him because His burden is light and His yoke is easy. And as long as you're holding on those things, you're going to be filled with so much junk that your head is going to spin. We live in a time and a culture where pressures are coming. Everything is right in our eyes. It's a visual time. And we see all these problems. We read all the news. We have all these anxieties on us. And yet, we hold on to them. And we weigh ourselves down. What happens when you hold on to that stuff instead of getting rid of it? What happens? Well, I'll give you a real life example. A couple weeks ago, I was going to cast all my old files out of my computer. Now, we already talked about how the failure took place. I lost my sermon. And so I decided that I was going to take and dump all my trash. And here's a photo uh, of what two hours into my file piling up in the trash at 738,000 files and six hours later it was at a million and a half. It took eight hours to calculate how much trash was in my trash can. Eight hours. I sent this to several people who are in the computer world and they were shocked. My computer was locking up. It wouldn't move. It was it just wasn't doing its job. And I'm thinking, come on, I've got to get this done. Why aren't you working? Well, Stuart, you've got a million and a half things in the trash can. My computer was running slow. It took another eight hours to delete the million and a half. Sixteen hours it took. Now listen, there's a lesson here. You may have been building up trash for eight years in your life. You may have been grasping on the problems for the last however many days. Well, listen, sometimes it takes time to get rid of that trash. But something has to happen in order to get rid of it. You have to put it in the trash can or you have to give it to God. Otherwise, you're going to be locked up and of no good use for your appropriate purpose in which God has designed you for. You were designed for great things. Listen, we don't read this book and see these great men and the things they've done and go, well, you know, I guess I'm just going to go to work and make a living. You were designed for great things. If I were to show you a pine cone, maybe I could pull one off of that tree right there. If I could show you a pine cone and ask you, what do you see when you look at this pine cone? 
What do you see? What would you say? Somebody give me an answer. What would you say if I asked you what you see when you see that pine cone? Pine cone. Dead thing fell out of a tree. What does God see? God sees thousands, hundreds, millions, billions of pine trees. Because why? Because that was the purpose He designed it for. And this morning, God has designed you with a specific purpose for a specific reason. And as long as you're grasping on the problems and not casting your problems, you will never see and have the joy that God has and wants you to have in your life. He cares for you. And He doesn't want you to live like that. Will you this morning humble yourselves under the mighty hands of God? By saying, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't trust. I can't submit. I can't be a servant to a group of men and women that you've placed me over. What is it? I can't agree to do it this way. When you give all that to God, listen, He says He will exalt you at the proper time. You look at the men of God in the Bible. It was many years before God used them in their ministry because it was a time of preparation. And this morning, if you feel like God is silent in your life, if you feel like God's not talking, listen. The professor's always quiet when the test is going on. What test does he have you on this morning? And I submit to you, be a casting Christian. Be a casting Christian. So that you can be effective for Christ and his kingdom. Submit, be humble, and cast. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning.